This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Two events I want to tell you about. Next Saturday, September 7th, I will be doing a live podcast recording at the New York Roadrunners Run Hub. I will be interviewing Jeff Dengate of Runner's World. He's the runner-in-chief over there. Rebecca Kennedy, she's a master treadmill instructor at Peloton. And Mateo Ortego, he is the director of integrations and devices at Strava. So that's next Saturday, September 7th at noon at the New York Roadrunners Run Center in New York City. If you are in the area, I would love it if you would come by for the event and hang around and say hello afterwards. I love to meet listeners and friends of the show. And then the other event, I made this announcement a couple weeks ago on Saturday, November 9th. I'm doing a live event here in Indianapolis the same day as the Monumental Marathon, the Beyond Monumental Marathon. That's Saturday, November 9th. Starts at 5.30 p.m. with Dina Castor and Sally McRae. You can grab your tickets for that now. So you can register to, for both events now. The New York Roadrunner event is free. The Dina Castor, Sally McRae event, there is a ticket price. That event is a lot more involved as far as event planning and space and food and all that fun stuff. So two very different but very fun events that I hope to see a lot of faces at. You guys can find all the information in the show notes at lindsayhine.com to grab your tickets for both of those events. Today, you're listening to episode 197, and I'm talking with Brittany Peterson. Brittany Peterson recently placed second at the Western States Endurance Run. Some may have called her a dark horse leading into Western States, but as you'll learn in this interview, Brittany knew what she was capable all along. She shares with us her history, her background, her training specifically for Western States, and we get the play-by-play of the race, which was super exciting. If any of you have been listening over the past few weeks, you know that I recently interviewed Claire Gallagher. She was episode 193. Make sure you head back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. But Claire won Western States, and her and Brittany had a really exciting finish. They had a really exciting last six, seven miles of the race. So it was really fun to hear Brittany's play-by-play of that after hearing Claire's play-by-play of that. She has a background in skyrunning, which is something I had never heard about before I researched this interview. She shares with us what skyrunning is and her career competing in that space in the sport of running. After placing second at Western States, she turned around and competed in the Tromsø Sky Race, where she placed fourth. This is a technical race with 15,000 feet of vertical climbing, whoa. So we got to hear about her turnaround to that. And then now today, actually, as this the same day this podcast is coming out, she's competing over in Europe. She's doing the CCC, which is a part, it's 100K and it's a part of the UTMB race weekend over there. So she's had a really adventurous, cool summer. She's got a great spirit about her and she's so positive. And she just, she gives you that excitement to 
want to just go run because running is fun and the adventure of it is what matters the most. All right. So at the beginning of this podcast intro, you might have heard me say this is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Well, guess what? It is. I recently announced that I launched a podcast network that I'm really excited to share with everybody. So I'll have another. This show will be the first podcast in the network. And then I recently welcomed on the Up and Running podcast. Lauren Flores and Nick Klesteva are the hosts over there. And I'm so excited to welcome them to the network. They'll be keeping you up to date on the latest news in American distance running from coast to coast and around the world. They just launched their second episode this week. Next week will be episode three, and it is a news-type podcast in the running world. We are working on a couple audio tweaks from the past two weeks, and we appreciate all the feedback that has already been given to both Nick and Lauren and myself. Make sure you guys go check it out and subscribe. That's the Up and Running podcast. And then one more thing, Kate Teodora recently left me a review that says, thanks for the awesome podcast to keep me going while I'm running. Curious about the name of your podcast. Why the title? I'll have another. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Well, first of all, thank you, Kate, for leaving a, a rating and review. Super helpful for new listeners finding the show. So if you've been around for a while and you've been listening to the show, make sure you head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to leave a rating and review. That is one of the best ways you can help support the show. But I wanted to address that in case there are other new people here that don't know the answer. So I'll have another. The concept there is, what would you like another of? So that might be another run, another glass of wine, another cup of coffee, another baby. You know, whatever you fancy. So uh, when I was brainstorming names for this podcast back in the day in 2016, it's crazy, it's been three years, my sisters and I had this string of texts that were a mile long about different names for the show and my sister Shelby actually is the one who came up with the name so shout out to Shelby for coming up with the name I'll have another another lap around the track another marathon I don't know what would you like another of hopefully another episode of this podcast so thanks again Kate for leaving that review and I hope that clears it up if anybody else is new and has been wondering what the meaning of the podcast is more information to be coming soon on the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. The website should be up in about a month, I would say. And I'm really excited. We'll be bringing on new podcasts that are launching and helping them with their launches as well as established podcasts as well. So more information coming soon. Really excited about that. All right, friends. Enjoy my conversation with Brittany Peterson. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Brittany Peterson to the show. Welcome to all have another Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. We're doing this real early my time. It's like 630 AM. <laughs> it's kind of nice to knock it out really early though. We have this um, carriage house behind our house that we rent out on Airbnb and it's actually open right now. So all my kids are sleeping and I'm back here in the cozy little <gasps> carriage house. This is really nice. Hey, that works out really well. <laughs> Yeah. So Brittany, you are in, are you in Italy? I'm in Chamonix, France. Wow. Okay. So you're getting ready to race UTMB, which is a really big, prestigious ultra race, but I'm having you on the show because I learned about your story and who you were when you placed second recently at Western States. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. 
So let's learn a little bit about your story. And I have so many questions about your career leading up to Western States because you're into this thing called sky running, which I had never heard about before. Um, and, and everybody listening, if you haven't listened to my episode with Claire Gallagher, listen to that too, because Brittany's going to tell us the exciting like replay of Western States from her finish and, and when she passed yeah. Claire and all that fun stuff. So um, this is super fun to have you on after talking to Claire and, and hearing the rundown from her. But Brittany, tell us a little bit about growing up and how you got into running and the sky running and all that. Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota. Um, I live in Idaho now, like playing in the mountains in Idaho. But I really feel like that did kind of stem from my upbringing in Minnesota because I lived in northern Minnesota on the like right on the border of a state park. So we always, as a cross country team, we were playing in that state park, you know, running up riverbeds, off trail, like adventuring. Like my coach just did a really great job of instilling the fun part of running, which a lot of times for me at that point was off trail and then in whatever wilderness area. And then, you know, moving to Idaho, I I moved to Idaho when I did my clinical rotations, finishing up my degree in occupational therapy and then just fell in love with the mountains and like being able to do all of those things that I did in Minnesota, but on a bigger scale in bigger mountains, crazier terrain, things like that. So I really feel like that kind of shaped the runner that I have become as far as just loving trail running that kind of segued nicely into sky running, but then I don't know, just, just really kind of built the passion that is why I continue to run. Yeah. That's, that's really cool that your coach instilled that in you because it seems like the way a coach, when you're so young, shares their love for running with you, it can really shape who you become as a runner. So that's really fortunate oh, that you had that experience. Yeah, for sure. Do you still, are you still in touch with that coach at all? Or does, do, does he or she follow your, your career at all? You know, I, I need to reconnect with him because we have lost communication. Um, but that's just something where like, as I've reflected on my experience, I mean, I really attribute a lot to him and that's where I I have been meaning to reconnect with him. I love that so much. Just as a mom of, of little kids, like watching them enter into sports right now. Uh, my boys are playing soccer and I'm just like, yes, I want them to work really hard and be the best that they can be. But I mean, they're so young, but I'm just saying as they get older, instilling that, like, if you're not having fun with this, why are you doing it? Yeah. And I think too, I mean, I had a lot of injury and things like when I was in high school, when I was in college, where really my running career in high school and college is pretty like blah, like there wasn't anything super exciting about it. But I think, I mean, that, and it really was about the team and the experience and just, I mean, lifelong friends that have become from that. Um, where, and then you hear the other people that had like the D one super competitive collegiate, like scholarship level, all of that, you know, where, you know, and then they hate running and they're burnt out and they never run again, you know, where I feel like kind of the upbringing that I had, I mean, I did well, but I ran in a a D three school. Um, and then kind of figured things 
I ran the College of St. Scholastica in Duluth, Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was a great, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not a running school at all. It had a great occupational therapy program. It had a great coach, a good team. Um, I mean, so, and it was close to my hometown where I went to high school. So really it was like career minded with running as a secondary thing for me. And, and I mean, that's where my results and things like that were kind of equivalent to that experience. Um, where my coach now and I talk a lot about like just, I think, finding my niche in the mountain running and certain distances and things like that. Like I, I just never did well with racing back to back weekends and I could run a half marathon relatively the same pace as my 6K, you know, mm-hmm. where I think I just needed to expand longer and then, you know, really figured out that madness pain suited me a lot better and then just that 50 K different or distance that I played around in. And now I'm, I'm starting to kind of wonder if like, is longer even better or, you know, even longer, even better. She's going to do the Moab to two forty. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not that long. <laughs> um, okay. But tell us now I'm curious, what were your like kind of times in high school and college? And did you guys race a six K in college? Oh, cross country. There were some six Ks. I don't even remember. So it was mixed five K, six K. Like, so I just did, I mean, I have, I got my five K PR in a workout this last year. Oh, wow. What, what was <laughs> I broke, it? I broke 19, uh, 1804. Okay. In a workout. Um, in a workout. Were yeah. You on the track? So like in college, I, it was a indoor track. Yeah. Okay. So like 200 meters. Um, you know, I mean, that's where in college I ran, I think like track, I would run the 10 K and the four by four in the same meet. Cause I was just like a, a lost soul at that time, like <laughs> kind of burnt out. Like, you know, I was definitely the 800, 1600 meter runner, but wasn't really finding anything super successful. Um, so yeah, 5k, like in college, I think 1919 was my PR. Okay. And so I just broke 19 last year in a workout that was like a hellacious workout of like certain surge moments on that indoor track, (laughs) you know, and then this year just did an outright 5k in a workout and got the 1804, um, which still isn't super speedy, but I mean, it just, it opened up my eyes of like, okay, I had this potential and maybe injury or, just the different training structure or whatever, you know, from high school and college, I had a friend that told me like, you know, it's not that you didn't have the speed. You just are just finding it now, which was kind of cool. Cause I've, you know, whenever I compare myself to, you know, the people that have those collegiate like standout records, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm not fast. Oh, I'm not, I can't compare. Oh, I can't hang. I'm a poser. You know, all of those negative things where it's like, no, no, I'm good. You know, but I, I really think, that foundation is kind of unique. And I appreciate that because it just shows that you can unbury things that you didn't know at whatever time in life, which I think is pretty cool. Well, yeah. And when I interviewed Claire, she said, you know, when you came up on her and we'll get into that a little bit, she (laughs) said, and Brittany's really fast. And so, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And so when she said that, I'm like, Oh, what is her background? Like, was she, you know, like super speedy. (laughs) So that's so funny. What, where was Claire drawing that from? You think, did she hear about that 1804 workout? 
No, no, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, like I've, I've done well, like that was the thing that was, conf- or, you know, I've, I've kind of felt like, where is my niche in this trail running? You know, now that I've found my niche and I've done sky running in the technical 50 K's, you know, I've, I've had success at the way too cool. I forget what, you know, I'm in the top 10 fastest times in a pretty old 50 K race that is historically really fast, you know, where I can do that. Um, but then, you know, fast in the hundred K and then apparently fast in the hundred mile, um, where I think I'm starting on a different podcast. You know, somebody said that same thing of like, you have wheels and it's like, Oh, I, I never viewed that in myself, (laughs) you know? And I think it's just basing it off of just my collegiate past, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've done well in a variety of different races where I think I can do the flat fast 50 K you know, however, I would certainly, you know, the people that are stand out, like I think of Ladia Alberts and Junkins, you know, like she is super, super fast. Like she has a road background where like, I'm not, I, I don't come from that. And I don't think I could hang in that environment where I know my strengths differently, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of cool that you have this like speed but also like clearly your heart is in the mountains can you tell us about sky running and how you like learned about it I just watched the video a video on your Facebook page from the recent race you did what the Tromso oh. tr- how do you say that Tromso Trump yeah Tromso sky race and guys in she Norway. Did, yeah she did this like four weeks after western states <laughs> by the way um, how long and it is was that? brutal yeah <laughs> How that was, was that a race? 57 kilometer race with 15,000 feet of vertical gain. You guys have to watch yeah. this video. It's so cool. I'm going to link to the video in the show notes because it's really cool. And it's definitely, I mean, so Tromso is one of those, like it, it was, it came about through Killian and Emily, you know, like the founders of technical off trail running. So this is kind of in their backyard, a course designed by them. So it's certainly out of the sky running circuit. It is one of those more extreme races, huge mountains, just beautiful. And so I think that's, I mean, that's like one of our favorite places to go because it is the true essence of just being in the mountains and then testing your off-trail technical skills. Because, I mean, you're you're summiting a peak and you're going down a, a rock cliff. You know, maybe there's a snow glissade that's a pretty steep angle. And I mean, it's just, it's, sky running in its true essence. Um, so really I think sky running in general is, you know, I think it's generally in that 50 K range, but there's different specialties within it. So it can be shorter. It can be longer. Um, it has to be over like 10 to 12,000 feet of vertical gain. Um, and then generally it's, you know, you're, there's one race where you're running up a river you know, there's other races where maybe it looks like the trail was just kind of hacked out of the side of a hill. So it's like roots and grass and loose dirt and mud. And I mean, so it can vary a ton. Other Others are certainly like climbing up boulders to peaks or going across glaciers, going down scree fields, running across a boulder field. Um, so really, you get a whole variety. And, and that's where I think U.S. sky running is picking up. But we're you know, European sky running is in its true essence. U.S. sky running, we've talked a ton with the organizers in Europe and how can we get U.S. sky running to kind of up the ante a little bit more because they're awesome races, but we're just under such restrictions with 
permits and forest service and things like that, where we can't just, you know, bushwhack a trail. Um, but like, that's what my training. And I think from my background, like that's, it was kind of fun because after Western States, my training and my buildup had been so, so different where I almost felt just super refreshed, you know, my first day in the mountains, you know, a week and a half to two weeks post Western, my coach and my boyfriend were there and they were kind of making fun of me of like, I was just so jazzed and I actually was, I felt awesome that day, which was weird. Um, because I think it was just such a switch in my training and it really was, I mean, that was a great training day of getting vertical gain and all that, but really it was just in my backyard, you know, wanting to go to the summit of these couple peaks that we had planned out a route. And so it just was a total shift. And that's where I think it naturally went into, um, sky running for me in the beginning is cause I was just playing in the mountains in my backyard all the time, which you're on that type of terrain. You're, you're on a goat trail, you're, you know, maybe you have a guidebook and it kind of tells you the route, but most of the time you're not on a trail and you're up a scree field and you're figuring out how to get down off this peak most efficiently and all of that. I mean, it's all of those skills that really translate well into sky running. I would just always be scared that I was going to get lost. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we, we <laughs> do our homework for sure. I'm yeah. super fortunate where my coach and then my boyfriend is my coach's son. So <laughs> it's a little trio of us. Um, but I mean, they, my coach and his, and my boyfriend, like that's their lifestyle that they grew up with mm -hmm. where, you know, it's really like we were planning out my peak run for CCC and, you know, and, and I was talking to my coach and obviously my boyfriend and I were together. So they were talking about routes and he's like, well, Cody's already hit this peak. So he probably doesn't want to go there again. You know, like, cause the whole point of it is not, you know, like this is a great loop and I do it over and over you know, it's, I'm tagging all of these peaks cause I want to get every single one in this mountain range. You know, like that's, that's what we prioritize. So they have, you know, there's an Idaho, I forget what it's called, but it's the Bible essentially of like <laughs> all of the peaks in Idaho that give you some beta on the approach and what the terrain is like. And then we have different apps and things on our phone that we use to plan everything out. But I'm super fortunate because I'm with like two of the best people, you know, ever, that are navigating and, and doing a lot of the planning for me. Was it stressful or strange to go from like all of those really like non runnable per se events and trails to jumping in and training for Western stage, which is like a completely runnable course that you're hmm. probably running much faster on. Um, I would say yes and no, like probably mostly no, because I mean, so Idaho, we get snowy winters. So my, my winter kind of season generally is priming up speed, a lot more runnable things just cause I can't get into the trails like I normally do. Mm. Um, so that's where way too cool has really fit in my schedule because it's an early season race. I'm coming off of a big bulk of speed that fits that type of race. So really it just, it kind of started with winter speed training, segueing into getting back in the hills, getting, getting more of my mountain legs back. I had a little speed bump of injury. <laughs> um, but I, I think the context of that, I mean, and then two years ago I did North Face 50, which I definitely tweaked all of that training to a more runnable course. So I think it's just kind of different shifts in my training. Like it, you know, winter had gone into 
you know, the speed and lots of runnable, which then segued into mountains and just being out there forever. And then I kind of ended with that TNF 50 training, which was getting back into the runnable again, which was actually a hard shift last year because I was training for TNF 50 before it got canceled. And I had just come off of all of that sky running because I did the whole circuit last year. And it was, I just remember some of those first runs after the last sky race tuning up for North Face where, you know, it was a 20 mile run and I had to run it consistently. And that was really (laughs) challenging. So it was nice this year of like coming up, like I didn't have any sky running. It was winter, you know, and, and the focus was, was Western. So I never got into that you know, hiking and mountains and whatever. It was all just coming off of that runnable and building up into Western, which worked really well. Okay. So when you say the whole circuit, how many races is that? And is it like a six month period? Yeah. The first one was May and my last one was October. Yeah. And I did, I did like six or seven races. There's a whole bunch of them, but just to score and do the rankings I needed four, but yeah, there's, there's all these little rules and how to get more points and things like that. And I had a result that wasn't as great. And I was battling for holding third in the division that I was going for. So it came down, it was pretty exciting. It came down to the last race where this girl and I, that were super close in points, both were racing and I ended up winning the race, which kept me in third place in that ranking. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting. You like those like exciting finishes apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like to bring it down to like, the last little bit. <laughs> the last little bit. I don't actually prefer that, but yeah. <laughs> it unfolds like that frequently. Now you have mentioned yes. that I know that Western was your second hundred, but I heard you mention that yes. 2013 Leadville, you're like, well, I don't really count that though. Tell us about that experience and why you don't count yeah. it. Yeah. What was going on in 2013 when you did it? I mean, really, I wasn't, I had just figured out, you know, it was like the early phase of, of trail running really booming. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend that apparently was obsessed with Leadville and went and I paced her, but she didn't make the cutoff at Winfield. So I was there in 2012 Okay. and she was hooked on this, on, um, trail running. I had done a 50 K or so at that point, but I was still more of a road runner, um, So then she basically talked me into, you know, I want to go back to Leadville and get revenge. And I know I can do if you're there, (laughs) you know, like if you do it with me. So she basically talked me into, you know, this pretty naive, not trail runner. I didn't have a coach at that point, you know, so I went, I mean, I did my first hundred K, my first 50 mile and my first hundred mile in a matter of three months building into Leadville because I was so worried about the distance that I went into it super overtrained. Um, so that's where I kind of view myself as a much different runner now of like experience. I have a good coach. Um, I know what I'm doing more where I'm, I'm not balancing that fine line of overtraining. Um, because I had sharp knee pain probably at the halfway point, um, which led to walking the last 20 plus miles, Oh wow! which was, <laughs> I mean, so it's like, all right. I was, I mean, at my, at that time, my only goal was to finish, not, not ever thinking about placing or time or whatever it was. I had all of the cutoffs written on my arm because that was my mindset. And, and that was reality at that point. Do you ever think about going back? I mean, now that you've got second at Western States and you've kind of 
ah, figured this out. Do you want to like you go from like 250 someplace to maybe winning? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, Leadville is super cool. It's an awesome place. Um, there's just so many. I mean, I think I want to be careful about how many hundreds I'm doing. And I don't, I definitely don't foresee, you know, I'm doing like four hundreds in a year. Um, so I just, there's so many amazing races out there that I don't know if I would go back to Leadville, but certainly redemption is in the back of my mind, but I think other things trump that more so. Yeah. It's hard to probably figure out like the schedule exactly in your 33. You're kind yes. of like in the prime uh-huh. right now. Wouldn't you yeah. say? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's let's get into Western this year. Uh, going into the race, again, uh, Brittany mm-hmm. placed second at Western States. Going into the race, what were your kind of thoughts and expectations? Um, it was tricky. Like in my own circle, I knew what I was capable of, but then sometimes that got, in my mind, kind of dimmed a little bit because in the broader circle of like everybody else's expectations and kind of the hype leading into Western, I was nowhere near a part of that. Mm. Um, so which I knew was going to be the case. I knew that I was the underdog and then Andy Jones Wilkins called me out as the black horse, which was kind of cool. That is cool. uh, Yeah. I mean, and, and somebody that, you know, my coach, is the son of the original medical director, Bob Lind, you know, where Western States has been a big deal to my boyfriend, my coach, like that whole family. So I've been a part of that for the last three, four years where Western has always been in the back of my mind. And then, and then just hearing the history and those prominent figures. And then I feel like AJW is a huge part of that, you know, as far as like this classic person that knows Western and, and for, for him to call me out as a black horse I think it was just that external boost of beyond my inner circle of all the people that knew what I was capable of and just kind of what my expectations were. Um, but to have AJW, like that was really kind of that added mental strength of I can do this. Cause really it was when people asked me, it was like, Oh, top 10 would be nice. But really it was like, I know I can podium. Like that is my goal, you know, and time goal. I have no idea. I knew like 17 hours was a great time or, you know, in that seven, you know, breaking 18, you know, but it's like, I didn't want to come off as too confident or I I wasn't, I had no idea. I mean, my only comparison was 20, you know, almost 28 hours. (laughs) So, so I just kind of blew off the question by saying my goal is to PR. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully it was a pretty safe bet. I hope so. Yeah. But I mean, really, yeah, really. I mean, I was shooting for making the podium. Yeah. So did you, I, I love hearing about that, like external, I don't want to say validation because it's not like you needed that, but like it is crazy how words can really play into like our mental strength by someone saying that. Yes. Yes. Did you tell anybody like, or was it just kind of like you and Cody and his dad, like talking about, okay, podium is definitely realistic. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think in my circle of friends, like people, know what I've been doing, know how I've been training, know the Lind family as far as just, I'd been on the course. I've known, you know, I know the sneaks of when to cool off and how to cool off and where to cool off, you know, just different things on like, I, we had been studying and living Western States for quite a while. So I think people in my inner circle, but then I would also like to think that people that I've gotten to know, like other elites along the way, 
I think that I've gotten to know more closely or have raced against directly have kind of probably viewed me more as a strong competitor than maybe like the public totally saw as you know as far as the iron far pole mm-hmm. you know, I was 20th out of 24 or something wow you know where I think my I yeah yeah I think like publicly I just wasn't known but I think I'm thinking I have no idea but I think like the people that I have been racing against like knew that I was more than the you know the 20th or whatever more of a contender than what it showed in in the media and in the coverage and all that so in a hundred mile race like so much can unfold and we all know that like at any point even at mile 90 like anything could happen so (laughs) when in the race were you like I'm in a really good spot like a podium is attainable podium spot is attainable and then we can talk about the when you pass Claire time shift (laughs) yeah um it was I mean so this is where I really feel like my sky running background has actually been something that sets me apart. Like I think Bandera to get the golden ticket, there was a solid crew of us, but with a course change, the technical running really played into my favor. And I was the one that had seemingly had the strength in that skill set, in that technical aspect, which set me apart, which allowed me to win and get the golden ticket. So I feel like the same thing with Western, you know, huge climb off the get go, but then you're in the high country where there's snow and you're up and down and it's, you know, you're going down a little glissade here and you have to side hill here and snow. I mean, it's another technical aspect that I'm used to where I felt like that I was in, there's a clump of us beyond what I think Amanda, um, Courtney and Claire were all off together. And then there was a huge pack of us women later in the second group and right when we hit the top of the escarpment and we started getting into the wilderness in the snow, I took off and was able to gap and then catch Amanda. Um, okay. Amanda, where I keep hearing that name and I keep Amanda Basham. Okay. okay. Yeah. Amanda Basham. She was fourth there last year. Okay. Got it. At Western. So you, you, Um, you bridged the gap between the second pack and the first. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. And so I feel like that kind of was a boost in confidence of, all right, here's my skill set. Like, this is a strength that put me in really good position early on, like way earlier than I thought. How because early my whole was that? goal was, oh, probably, I mean, before the first aid station, okay. which I forget how far that is, but like 10 miles, less than the half marathon <laughs> mark. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Um, so it was easy. Well, okay. Cause my, my race plan was to run basically the first hundred K just my, my race, like not think about where other people are, just really be in tune with my own body and my pace and my effort and fueling and just really make sure I'm treating my body nicely because the race is going to start at forest Hill. And so I just really kind of honed in on myself, not thinking about where other people were, but it was easy to do that because I was running in like third or fourth at the time, which I didn't expect that. Um, so that was kind of a good jump start of the technical kind of maybe gave me an advantage, made it through the canyons well, and really just took good care of myself until Forest Hill, which was my game plan of Forest Hill is where I pick up a pacer and now you need to be ready to run. And that's where the race actually starts. You can now start caring about where you are and where competitors are. Okay. So tell everybody what mile ish Forest Hill is. Forest Hill is a hundred K. So 100K. like 61. 61. Okay. Yep. 
Um, and then can you, I know what the golden ticket is, but just in case our listeners aren't familiar with the yeah, ultra yeah. scene, can you just explain the golden ticket and Bandera and all that? Yeah. So I didn't have any hundred mile. I mean, my last one was 2013, so I didn't have a qualification. I was not in the lottery, so I was not in Western States, but there's another way of getting into Western States and there's four or five races that are called golden ticket races that top two runners, male and female, get golden tickets, which gives you an entry into Western. Okay. So we cheat and we bypass the whole lottery <laughs> that is so difficult to get in. Yeah. Well, you don't cheat because you have to win. You have to run really fast. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. Hey, friends. I want to jump in real quick and thank a couple sponsors who are making this podcast possible. And the first is Sweaty Betty. You know I love some Sweaty Betty. I've been talking about them for weeks, and I just want you to get in on the goodness. They're a London-based women's activewear brand, and they make the most comfortable and the cutest apparel. I don't know about you, but I basically live in my athletic apparel, so this is my clothing option pretty much 90% of the time. It is a big deal if you actually see me in jeans ever or jean shorts or just clothes that aren't active wear. So I'm living in the sweaty buddy. So one of my favorite leggings that they offer are the zero gravity leggings. They are super technical running leggings and they're made of lightweight premium fabric from Italy and the all female design team have engineered these leggings to sculpt the body and are fabulously bum sculpting. Okay, so I'm just gonna pair these up, tell you what I pair these up with so that you can go get yourself a whole outfit because it's more fun if it's an outfit. So I wear the zero gravity leggings with the Breeze short running take. So the leggings go up high enough that even though the tank is short, it doesn't expose the belly, which for me, unless I'm out running in just my sports bra, I don't want my belly showing really. So uh, the zero gravity leggings paired with the Breeze short running tank is super cute, super flattering. I have the tank in white and blue. Now I'm on the website looking at it in black and orange, and I feel like I need to go get those too. So you all can grab yourself some zero gravity leggings, the short breeze running tank, or they have a breeze running tank that is not short as well, if that's your preference. But go to sweatybetty.com and use the code ANOTHER for 20% off your order. That's a great deal. Again, that's sweatybetty.com and use the code ANOTHER for 20% off your order. And the other sponsor I want to thank today is Koala Clip, my favorite running accessory. You clip the Koala Clip to the back of your sports bra. You throw your phone in there, your ID, whatever you want to run with. You can put a key in there. It's big enough for that as well. And it does not bounce around or move around while you run. It just stays right in place. It is super convenient and comfortable. You don't even notice that it's there. It's honestly the best way I've found to carry my phone on the run. Christina, the founder, the designer, the do-it-all woman over there, she is offering you all a 10% discount when you go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER10 for 10% off. Again, that's koalaclip.com. Use the promo code ANOTHER10 for 10% off. All right, friends, you can find all that information in the show notes, lindsayhine.com. Let's continue my conversation with Brittany Peterson. But back yeah. to the back to the race course. We're at 100K. You get to pick up a pacer at Forest Hill. Are you still in third place because you passed Amanda? 
uh, Casey had passed me in the canyons. Okay. So Casey and I basically came into Forest Hill relatively close together. And then, so I picked up Cody, phenomenal pacer. I mean, he grew up on Western States. So it was all like, you know, get to Cody and then you don't have to do anything. You just have to follow Cody or mm. do what Cody says. That's awesome. Um, but it was, Forest Hill was such an energy surge of, I had been looking forward to picking up Cody for over 50K <laughs> and just having so many people there and just people like knowing who I was at that point, like yelling my name and things like that. It was just such a pickup that I had such a good section from Forest Hill to the river. So I was able to get back into third place and we heard various things about, um, you know, where, where Claire was as far as 10 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes, you know, so she was on the radar, but at that point it was, you know, get to the river in good shape, but the race really starts after the river. So you need to be able to run because from Forest Hill to the river, that's a big downhill, like really, really runnable section. Um, and what the river is like mile 80, just about, I mean, so you had, it was like 16 miles, I think between the two. So it's a long stretch, but like had a good section there, but was still like not totally racing. And then I guess got to the river and then that's when we heard, that's when things really shifted. When you get to the river, do you guys actually, do you like wade through it or do you get on little boats? What does that look like? Normally it depends on levels of the river. So this year the level was too high. So they had mandatory portage with a raft. Otherwise previous years you have a rope and there's volunteers all across the rope and you basically wade across the river volunteers like making you feel safe because you've just yeah, run yeah. like 60 some miles yeah. yeah right and there is a rapid down river just a little bit but yeah it's really not a big deal <laughs> yeah so okay so and then at what point are you like okay Courtney's out I'm actually gunning for second place at at this point yeah so my plan all along was get to the river and now you're racing and then by Highway 49, you should be about in location. This was our game plan. Like, so Highway 49, you should be in about where you want to finish. So that was like, mm. you know, 15-ish miles to really get in position. Because historically, you know, where you are at Highway 49, you know, you have four miles left or six miles left. That's it. Okay, six um, miles. That's that's generally like where where you're going to finish. Um, so that was our original plan. So then got to the river where my crew had been. So they saw Courtney coming in, figured out she was injured, saw Claire coming in, you know, knew how far Claire was ahead of me. You know, so I remember it, like, there's this, this cool picture of like my coach just grabbing my head and like it's zoomed in and it's just our faces. And that's exactly when he's telling me like Ugh. pretty quietly of like, all right, Courtney's out, you know, Claire's in first, she's X amount of time ahead of you. How much like, time did he now's say? Now's the time where I don't remember. I think she was a good 10, 11, or maybe more minutes ahead of me but at like, that point. But like, that's not that But far, I know. Right? No, no, no. And I know she said, because strategically they wanted me to get through the aid station quickly so that Claire would hear, <laughs> you know, cheering and things sure. at the river and know that I was coming. Yeah, <laughs> which, totally. Which I know talking to Claire and hearing her account, like she did hear that and it did make a difference. <laughs> um, but so that's where, you know, game plan was now like 
I'm, I'm hunting Claire down for the win, which was like, oh my gosh, did not expect this. And this is crazy, but also like, I'm super tired and this hurts. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. How so do that, you, I mean, how do you hone in on that? Cause you're like, really second place is great, but like, I literally I, could I win Western <laughs> States right now. Oh uh, yeah, it was, this is where Cody was immensely helpful of just knowing what to say, knowing how to push me. I, I mean, my body really felt good. Like I had a really good stretch, obviously. I mean, that's where I made up a significant amount of time to catch Claire was from the river, basically to highway 49 or to the quarry aid station where I just, I mean, I could run. And if, if there was an uphill, like I certainly, my climbers were pretty much done mm-hmm. at that point, but I could run and that was a super runnable section. A lot of it is very familiar from the way to cool course. So I'm pretty familiar with that section. Um, so it suited my strengths and I, I felt good and I had good running legs at that point. So it just worked out really well. But in the back of my mind, you know, it's definitely that battle of staying competitive, but, you know, succumbing to fatigue at times and then Cody pulling me out of that and then getting back into competitive. Cause it was certainly, you know, you know, Cody's pushing me like we're chasing Claire, we're chasing Claire, where's Claire, you know, and I'm like, second is okay. I hope I don't see Claire. <laughs> like, this is fine. You know, <laughs> but because that's, that's like my biggest nightmare is coming down to the final stretch and oh having to push like that. So After normally miles. I think about like sprinting it in on a track, not racing for the last six miles of a hundred mile race. Yeah. But... That's a really long time <laughs> to like r- yeah, race, yeah. race, race. Now I bet Cody was just like fired up. Like he had to be like so pumped. Oh yeah. Yes. He, I mean, his account is it's fun to hear other people's account, especially his, cause he was right there, you know, cause mine is kind of tainted with like everything. It was in slow motion, yeah. and I, you know, and I don't remember it really being exciting because I was just so tired. Okay. So tell us about, cause, cause you know, I've heard you turn your headlamp off so you can kind of like get, mm-hmm. get up on her so that she doesn't like expect it to happen. And, and that is what happened. Like she did hear the cheers, but then she didn't know actually when you were coming up on her until you were like right there. So tell us about how that went down. It was, let's see, it was just starting. So I made that turn after the quarry aid station off that like river path up, you know, like two mile stretch uphill to highway 49. So started making or turned onto that trail just as it was really starting to get dark. So I was contemplating headlamp or no headlamp. You know, Cody was ahead of me, I think at that point, you know, and he was certainly headlamp searching or really being keen for where is Claire, um, you know, so I could just do my thing. So I had my headlamp on for a little bit and then we, you know, we were working our way up and then he's like, I see headlamps, turn your headlamp off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, cause that was kind of the plan of like, should I have it on? Should I not have it on? Cause we wanted to sneak, but we didn't know where we were, but at the same time I shouldn't be tripping all over. But so I had it on initially, we saw hers, turned it off were able to like sneak up on her and then turn it on and like pass her, which it was funny because that's where, you know, it's like, all right, pass with authority. Yeah. But, but it's like all I could, I mean, I, all I could muster was what I did and Claire hung right with me. And that's just talking to so many people that, you know, are, are friends with Claire and like, no, Claire is a runner. You know, they're like, anybody else would have just been defeated Mm. to get past at that point. It's like, Claire is just so, amazing and she just hung right there which was awesome but it was just demoralizing at the same time like that was all I could muster and she's on my shoulder and we are literally crossing highway 49 
which was essentially where, you know, my original race plan was be where you want to be crossing highway 49. And it's like Claire and I are right next to each other. So it's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. That I'm like stressed out just thinking about it. Yeah. Who has, who has the willpower here? And you did that Uh like pass with authority. Now, once, once you guys got to the aid station and she like basically was like, just took off. Were you like, I'm good with second? Like, were you going to try to chase her? No, I, so that aid station, like in hindsight, it's almost like she had this whole plan mapped out and just executed perfectly. Cause it did kind of catch me off guard that, you know, it's just like stuff was getting thrown and she was just, you know, dust. She's an animal. Like, just like, go. Yeah. So I was like, Oh crap. You know, like she pulled a fast one and I did not expect that, which I have no idea why, you know, because it totally makes sense. You crest the hill and now it's downhill, like game on. Yeah. Um, so it was basically just scramble and like go. Yeah. And, you know, shift gears. My gear was just a little bit not as fast, um, which then I think there's one part where we kind of hit a switchback so I could still see her at that point. But it's, it's definitely more trail that hides people pretty well. So I couldn't tell where she was. It seemed like she got so far ahead of me instantly, which was crazy. Um, so that kind of hindered me. <laughs> like I remember in between just like panting, like saying sorry to Cody. Because I'm like, he's mad at me because <laughs> he's like, you're not done yet. You know, like, don't give up. Keep pushing. Like just doing all of those nice, nice things that helped. But it's like, it would help for like three steps. And then it's just like, I'm so gassed. I just can't. I mean, so she, she was, I think someone said 90 seconds ahead of me, which felt like an eternity. I felt like she was just out of reach, totally gone by no hands. Um, which then she laid down the hammer even more and like had a super insane climb up to Roby point, which I would not have been able to hang. So I think it was certainly creeping in my mind more after she just totally dusted me. But then as I was like, my climbing was so done and I just couldn't do it going up to Roby point. Um, and then once I got like my coach was up at Roby point and it was just, I don't need to kill myself now. Like I kind of have a feel of like, I'm not going to obviously slack off. I know Casey's coming, you know, but I, I know roughly that I have time to not just destroy myself. <laughs> Whereas Claire was still running super scared, like five minute pace. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. She said, I think that was it her last 10 K was like only Jim and like Jordan were the only people that were faster than her last 10 K. That's insane. Which is just insane. Yeah. So definitely like as I was climbing up to Roby point, it's like second is fine. I'm happy. And then once I got to my coach, you know, I was like, all right, take this in. There's so many people up here. It's an awesome party. Like this is the experience I've been waiting for. And second is pretty badass. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing like where I think the cool thing that Claire and I have talked about of, you know, and, and I feel like Claire has just been super amazing and, and giving me credit, which is pretty, I mean, just shows the kind of person and kind of competitor that she is where, you know, it's that special thing where I feel like we didn't know each other super well before. But now I feel like we're like lifelong friends. Yeah. You know, because it just bonded us as far as like I did something amazing because of her and she did something super amazing because of me. Um, Obviously, I mean, just, yeah, a pretty special thing where it was, I was just talking to girls today, you know, about like, there's just, I mean, there's one like slight moment of regret of like, Oh, I could have pushed harder. And that was when she was holding the cougar in the award ceremony. Mm. But you know, every other moment outside of that has been like, 
total satisfaction and just really, really stoked for Claire. And then obviously really, really happy for how it turned out for myself. Yeah, it's pretty cool how that end of the race unfolded. Like, had you not been, had she not been in sight, you know, had you never like come into contact with each other, it might have been a little bit, I don't know, laissez-faire. Just like, okay, we're going to finish. I'm yeah. in second place. That's that's the, how it is going to be. I mean, this is my nightmare finish. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, I mean, it pushes you and you have to work. But, like, as far as, you know, a race that people will remember and just, you know, I mean, I feel like to have that experience. If I was in first for, you know, at least yeah. 100 meters, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but like, I, yeah, I mean, just to have that excitement at the end, I think makes my second place feel even more special. Not that other second places certainly aren't special, but just, I mean, you, you hear about Claire, but it's like, you hear about me with Claire, which is, is kind of cool. Not anything to take away from Claire's accomplishment, but Mm -hmm. it's just kind of cool to be joint in that achievement, I guess. Now, what were your feelings when you crossed the finish line? It's cool that they, I watched the Western States. There's like a recap video and it's cool to be able to see yourself running in and then you guys give each other a big hug, which is, looks super special. Oh yeah. I mean that like, it's interesting because I've had a lot of races, you know, where you're kind of battling, like I'm over this. I don't feel like the, like I'm, I'm hurting myself and I don't feel like doing that anymore. And Western was such a uplifting, you know, in a long race. So you'd think you would get to that point, but just such an uplifting experience that I felt like for that finish, you know, usually when I'm finishing, it's so much relief that it's not really a lot of joy, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, where I'm working on that and trying to figure out why. Um, but I feel like, you know, so there's certainly that fatigue and that huge amount of relief to just be done. But I feel like even looking back on the pictures and like reflecting on my experience that I recount at that time, like there was actually joy there of like what a special moment and able to sink that in and just enjoy that. And then to like go immediately into like that picture of just Claire and I together, like wrapped in this awesome hug. It's just like that is that special moment that that picture just captures perfectly of not like this casual like oh hey good job you know like this huge embrace of like oh my gosh what just happened and that was amazing which I think that really I don't know that's just the moment that I think back on and it kind of fades away the fatigue and some of the other stuff of just wanting to be done but I think of just that yeah that embrace and like coming down that stretch and you know having having kind of dreamt about that experience for a while and watched other people go through that experience. I mean, pretty special to have that yourself. Now I know that in lots of like soon after post-race interviews, people asked you this, but I feel like it's like long enough away, far enough away now that I can ask you, will you be back? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yes, I will be back. I, that's something I toy with of like, okay, the hundred went pretty well, you know, like, so where am I going now? Am I going in sky running direction? Am I going, should I do more hundred K's? You know? And I feel like, well, one, you can't get an F2 bib and not go back. So I will certainly be back. And it's far enough out now that I've forgotten the pain. I think it's, you know, CCC's in a few days where if you ask me this after, maybe I'd be reconsidering, but probably not. I mean, no, like I know that I want to be back and just enjoy that experience again and just, again, be able to test and see how I can do. Yeah. And speaking of that, we haven't even talked about this, but (laughs) you are 
about to run UTMB CCC, which is a really prestigious race. And that's a pretty quick turnaround as well. And you're, this is today's Wednesday. So I'm putting this episode out on Friday, which you'll probably know you'll be done <laughs> racing when it goes out. Cause you're eight hours or six hours ahead. But, um, tell us about this turnaround and what your goals are going into this race that you're running right now, or you just finished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this is another big one. I've been saying, you know, my goal, you know, last year was all sky running this year. I've done some sky running, but it's my focus has been, you know, shifting and and enjoying other experiences, getting to travel to different places and, and really seeing what this event is all about. Um, so Western was, you know, priority number one, CCC being priority number two. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I did Tromso in the beginning of August, which I felt recovered for that physically. I felt like mentally getting deep into the pain cave. I mean, it was, you know, I, I joked with people like I've done 15,000 feet of vert in the last month. And here I just did it in one day in one race, <laughs> you know, like I was not ready for that mentally because that was deep into the pain cave because I hadn't been doing that. So, so I guess that's like, my only concern, but I feel, you know, I'm, I'm fresh. This has been a focus point for a long time where I feel like I'm ready. Obviously physically I'm, I'm doing well and feel strong just in the sense of Trump. So it was really a, a gearing up for CCC of getting climbing legs back, mixing that with speed. Cause really I think CCC is a great blend of a runnable Western States mixed with sky running skills of Ooh, fun. have a little bit of technical. Yeah. I mean, I wish it was a little bit more technical, but I think for, you know, Europeans, they're like, oh, it's not technical at all. (laughs) And then I think U.S. runners are like, it's a little bit more technical than a lot of trails we're used to in the States. You know, so I feel like for me, you know, it's like it's not so technical that the Europeans can just crush me because I'm not super strong on like crazy technical stuff, but I'm strong on it. You know, but the Europeans just have an edge on me, I still feel like you know, where I feel like this is, you know, in European standard is not technical at all, but I think is a little bit more technical than what we're used to generally in the States. So I feel like it's a really good blend of Western because it's certainly runnable. There's definitely big climbs in it, but it's, I think it's 19,000 feet of vert over the hundred K, which Western is 19,000 feet of vert over a hundred miles. So it's really pretty comparable. Um, But then there are some, I'm hoping there's more technical sections than what I saw. Um, And then big climbs of, you know, right out the gate, you're doing a 5,000 foot climb from mile zero, you know, up to first 10K is all uphill. So I feel like I'm used to the big climbs from sky running. I'm used to the runnable. I can descend and ascend on technical skills where I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it's a hopefully a nice marriage of, of both I guess styles of running who else from the, you know, kind of like top 10, 20 from Western States are you competing against at UTMB? Um, Amanda Basham is back. She's doing CCC, um, from Western States. I feel like a lot of people go into UTMB and actually do the hundred mile event. Okay. But I know Amanda's doing CCC. Um, there's definitely, I mean, so it's been kind of interesting cause I, there's several girls that I haven't raced. So actually Nike teammates, Keely Henniger and Rachel Drake, they're both doing the hundred K. So I've never raced them before. Are you doing the hundred um, K? Super speedy. Yes. The yep. 100K. CCC okay. is the hundred K. Okay. Yep. Is Sally um, McRae, is she doing the hundred K? 
She's doing the 100 miles. She's okay. doing the main UTMB event. Okay. Yeah. So then other, so it's interesting too, because there's some sky running ladies that are doing CCC. So Ragna DeBats, she's been, she won the overall category in sky running last year. So she is a force to be reckoned with on sky running. It'll be interesting to see her in the hundred K, but she has been focused specifically on this race. So I have zero doubt in my mind. She's ready for the distance. So she's super strong at climbing. She's from the Netherlands originally. Oh, wow. And then Holly Page is a British gal that is super strong where she's kind of last minute deciding she's doing CCC, but that doesn't mean anything where she's super talented. It, this is a long race for her also, but I, I, you know, I would be foolish if I discounted her because she has just immense talent and is a great sky runner where this will suit her well also. Um, so those two are kind of the main Well, And then Emily Forsberg, of course, where. No, even post baby, I am sure she was, she's ready to go. And this will, I know she's been here training. So How I think some of those European, oh goodness, I don't even know, probably five, six months. Okay. Maybe. So, oh, pretty young. Okay. Maybe more than that. I don't know. Okay. Maybe older than that. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So those three are kind of in my radar as far as the Europeans or the not US runners. And then. I know Kelly Wolf would, you know, would be on my radar, but I heard she's not running. I don't know. It should be a super strong field. And, and a lot of people I haven't raced before. And then the Europeans that I do know anyway are people I've raced in sky running that I know are pretty strong. So it should be a fun, just see how everything plays out. And, you know, if, if it is the runnable U.S. type course or if these sky runners from all over the world are taking over, I don't know. It's kind of fun. You get like, crossover from both of your yeah. worlds. That's cool. Yeah. Are you still working as an occupational therapist or since Nike, you signed on with Nike trail running, is that kind of on the back burner right now? Um, I shifted into academics. So it was really nice over the summer because I was on my first year of having summer break. And then actually like a week ago, I, I keep telling my students, I'm the best worst teacher because I taught my first class and then I've been over here ever since. <laughs> so, so do you have like I'm a sub? How does that work? Um, my, my faculty, like my boss and my other colleagues are just incredibly supportive and I owe a lot to them cause they're covering and helping. I'm also like, like tonight I'll video in and I, I still like participate in my lectures. Oh wow. Um, just through the computer while I'm away. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So academics has been super great and actually really still rewarding and in, in my career of being able to help my field, but not directly with patients, but helping the next generations. I work in an occupational therapy assistant program. So it's been, been a cool way to merge the two careers and two passions, I guess. Yeah, that is really cool. Okay. Um, Brittany has to get to an event. So we're going to do end of the podcast <laughs> questions. So Brittany, what is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I was thinking of this in general terms because my my thought was, especially as I travel, like I really want to become fluent in a second language. And I think that would help me professionally, help me in my racing, but help me in my therapy world also. And I lean on Spanish because I know more of that. But here I'm in France and I'm like, I know nothing about the French language. Okay. Yeah. That was my next question. What language? Yeah. I, both. I, I really, both would be practical, but I struggle enough with Spanish, so I should probably start there. Yeah. What is... An accomplishment you're most proud of? 
Oh, an accomplishment I am most proud of. Really, actually, I mean, obviously Western States stands out as like a career goal as far as a runner, but I just did my first running camp. Cody and I held a technical mountain running camp. And I have to say like that, you know, people talk about your post event, you know, blues and, you know, just kind of the downfall after something that has been so hyped up. And I had zero post-race blues after Western. And I had tons of post-race blues after I held my first camp because it was such a deep, deeper connection and just really being able to share something I'm super passionate about with people in our camp. And it went so well above and beyond what we could have even hoped and just had such a great group of people that I feel like I'm really, really proud of how Cody and I pulled that event together and just how we were able to share something really special with people. And, and I look forward to, I guess, more opportunities with that in the future. But that's, I guess that's my latest high of like, I'm, I'm super excited that we ventured in that direction and just really happy to be able to share with people in that way. Yeah. That's crazy. You got, you have like, you finished Western States and then you had that, you had the Skyrunning <laughs> event and now you're UTV. Like you had so much going on. You don't have time to have post-race blues. It, well, yeah, yeah, it was, we got back from Norway. We instantly went into like getting things ready and getting the place ready and getting shopping. Like we went right into the camp and then camp was done. I literally got home at like 9 PM and then I went to school the next morning. Oh, <laughs> so my gosh. like I probably need school and work to get me back on like sleep and schedule and eating right and not being out of my house. Like I, my dogs appreciate that I'm back in school and I have a more steady routine coming up here after CCC. <laughs> yeah. What's a nonprofit you like to support? Uh, anything animals. My dream would be to save every animal. So anything saving animals and, and giving, um, them more resources for animals that have been abused and things like that. Yeah. You have three dogs, right? Yes. Who takes yep. care of And I would have like a billion like more if I could. Traveling. I mean, that's gotta be tough when you're traveling so much. <laughs> yeah. I know I felt so bad, but my, I have two Huskies and a pit bull and the Huskies are, they still want to go and do everything in the mountains with us. And my pit bull has kind of proclaimed her retirement. (laughs) (laughs) So Cody's mom has watched them. And now it's basically every time my pit bull goes to his mom's house, she doesn't want to (laughs) leave. So I think she's, she's ready for like, I want people to be home. I just want loving and I want treats. But yeah, we have between his mom and then we have a good friend that has been awesome with our dogs and takes them running when we're gone. And he's currently a PhD student that is looking for work. So, so he's like, I'm free. I'm available. So I am his employer right now with how much we're gone. Yeah. That's awesome. We're super lucky. Cause Cody and his dad, who's your coach that I assume they travel with you to your races. And I know Cody runs too. Yep. 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 So most of the time, um, Cody's actually home right now, which is a bummer, but happy for the dogs. Um, but yeah, most of the time it is like Paul is traveling, uh, and then Cody and I, so yeah, our dogs are all over the place, but they, they love all of our, our dog sitters. And, and it's for the most part, it's our friend Charles and he does an awesome jo- yeah. job. Now you probably don't have much time to read, but what's the best, most recent book you've read? I actually, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I like, I fall asleep to Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. Just, I've listened to it over and over and I feel like I haven't listened to Daring Greatly lately, and I've just picked it up again on this trip because it just helps me on the plane, and it helps me fall asleep when I'm jet-lagged. And 
Um, and I catch tidbits of it that I just feel like are so good of keeping just mental health in the right place and really just focused on all the positive things and, and just, I don't know, mental peace is such a huge part. And Brene Brown is just incredible on laying that all out there in a way that makes sense. Is it her voice that reads it? Yes. Some of them. Yes. She has, um, a podcast or I guess, a an audio book that is her doing a lecture. And so it's her more engaged and actually doing this lecture. And it's so that's the power of vulnerability. I listen to that one pretty regularly. And I love that one because it's live, but her daring greatly, it is her, but it's reading a book instead of yeah. an actual live audience. Okay. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, motivating or inspiring, who would it be? Um, I, I would say I struggled with this one cause I'm like, ah, I don't really know pop culture, yeah. but, but actually John Muir, I think that would be very awesome to just pick his brain. Cause I think that that's someone I relate to a lot and actually have a friend that is like a descendant of his somehow. Um, but just to be able to pick his brain on just adventuring and being in the mountains. Cause that really inspires me also. That seems like a fitting answer for you. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, last one. What's one message you'd like to send to the world? I think, I mean, the message really is, I think, from my story, the thing that I like to kind of portray is just like, never give up on yourself, never doubt yourself, and just keep following your passions and having fun, um, and just know that things are possible if you put your mind to it. Okay, Brittany. Well, hey, I am so thankful that you did this week of your race. Yeah. This is so awesome. Thank you of for you. distracting me beforehand yes. so I can yeah. It worked out well. Hopefully that yeah, hopefully it was a nice distraction recapping Western states. But um, Oh yeah, no, I I'm in a good place right now for sure. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're on a high with that. And then maybe we can do a recap afterwards. So have fun at your Nike event and best yeah, of luck on Friday. Cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye Brittany. Bye. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thank you, Brittany, for coming on the show and sharing your story. That was so fun to learn about Brittany's career and what she's doing now. So excited for all of her recent success and excited to see what happens with her career. Don't forget, you can follow Brittany on Instagram. She is Run Happy Bee. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. If you're in New York City, stop by my event at the New York Roadrunners Run Center Saturday, September 7th at noon. And then if you'll be in Indianapolis for the Beyond Monumental Marathon, make sure you get tickets to the event Saturday, November 9th, 5.30 p.m. with Dina Castor and Sally McRae. The VIP tickets to that event are already sold out, but we have a good handful of general tickets left. Make sure you grab them now before it sells out. Thanks to Sweaty Betty and thanks to Koala Clip for supporting this episode of the podcast. Again, you can get 20% off your order at Sweaty Betty when you go to sweatybetty.com and use the code ANOTHER. And then you can get 10% off your order with Koala Clip when you go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER10. Friends, you have a really great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.